Welcome to the CSIS podcast and part four of our series. I'm Colm Quinn. Having tackled Africa, the Americas and Europe, we now turn to the Middle East, a region we've covered a lot on this show and one at the top of the foreign policy list for the incoming president. We hear from John Alterman, SVP at CSIS and head of our Middle East program. He joined me via Skype to outline the challenge facing the next administration. The Obama administration has taken a really strategic view that the U.S. has been over-engaged in the Middle East and, and the U.S. needed to step back. I think that the president felt he had a mandate to end wars in the Middle East and not, and not start more of them. And, and they ended up being a, a fairly uh, consistent driver of his strategy. I think as, as people in the Middle East look at policy, and frankly, as I look at policy, there's a sense that, that that's become more of a straitjacket than a guide, that there are things we can and should be doing that we haven't been doing, that we've been guided too much by what we don't want to do rather than what we need to do. And I think what, what the next president will have to do is figure out where do you really need to lean in here? Where do you have to do something serious? What can you afford to let drift? We are in a situation in Syria now where by not being more active earlier, I think we have many fewer choices and much worse choices than we might have had three or four years ago, clearly the next president is going to have to decide what to do on Syria early. But I think that the flip side of that is the next president is going to have to wait years until the situation in Syria is better than it is right now. Yeah, you talked about the, the kind of what, where to lean in and where to focus on. Do you have any you know, recommendations from, from yourself on where you think that there'd be an, a, an effective place to start doing that or effective uh, issue to start doing that on? Syria is is clearly one. I think we're going to have to calibrate what the policy to Iran should be. We are going to have to figure out what kind of uh, relationship we need to have with the Russians on security issues in the Middle East because the Russians both have interests and they have tools at their disposal and the Russians can prevent us from accomplishing some of our, our ambitions. Uh, we're going to have to trade some things with the Russians, both in the Middle East sphere and more broadly. I think you have to choose carefully what you're willing to give in on and, and what you're going to, to, to uh, stay firm on. The other you know, issue, I think, broadly for the next president is when we've thought about engaging in the Middle East for the last 15 years, oftentimes what we have meant is we are sending troops. Uh, we're carrying out military action and Certainly one of the things that we're going to have to do over the next four years is more carefully balance the different kinds of engagement, what kind of diplomatic engagement, what kind of economic engagement, what kinds of social and broader and non-governmental engagement in addition to the military. Uh, because what is becoming abundantly clear, not just with our 66 country coalition in Syria, but more broadly, is that military actions only get you so far and if what you're really interested in is a broader set of issues, uh, it takes a broader kind of engagement. I am not somebody who thinks we can afford to walk away from the Middle East. I know a lot of people in the United States think that the, the place just isn't going to get better and we should cut our losses and, and, and try to insulate ourselves. I actually don't think that's going to work. And, and what the next president will have to do is make some very hard and careful and skillful choices about what do we need to care about, what are the, the points that have maximum leverage, uh, and how do you not make the Middle East perfect, 
but how do you take actions and improve American security in the Middle East, American security coming out of the Middle East, and reassert a kind of leadership in the world, um, which I think has both direct and indirect uh, consequences for American security and American economic growth. And let's talk about um, that, that leadership. I mean, I think the conventional wisdom, whether it's true or not, is that with a resurgent Russia, with a, with a rising China, that U.S. Um, hegemony, U.S. leadership in the world is somehow diminished. Country to country, do you think that that bears out, that, that the U.S. in the Middle East has, has less influence, say, than it did eight years ago? Frankly, there is a sense that the United States doesn't have the, the ambition and the will. I think there's a, there's a way in which uh, the way President Obama dealt with Syria, that people felt there are no circumstances under which the U.S. will live up to the, the, um, the commitments that it suggested it had. Uh, and I think in both the Middle East and even in Asia, where they're concerned with North Korea and, and, and aggressive China, that having the United States say this is a red line and then have Syria cross the red line and not suffer consequences for crossing the red line gives countries in Asia a, a different sense of, of what the U.S. is committed to do. But as I say, it can't just be uh, military. It has to be broader. Uh, I think the president is right that there's been a, a sense uh, that Americans have, that the world has taken the Americans for granted. And it's created a certain amount of apathy. But I think what the next president has to do, and it's, it's hard and it requires a lot of skill, is how do you get other countries to really want to contribute, to have a stake, to feel that, that they have an interest. They're not just going to sit back and let Americans do it. And I think ultimately that the sense that the United States is really going to lead uh, makes other countries say, well, we, we really want to follow. We want to be part of something bigger. Uh, but it requires the Americans not only to, to lead, but also to care about nurturing the relationship in a way that people feel vested and that they're getting benefits from it. I'm, I'm not convinced that, that people have to feel uh, consequences uh, directly when they don't participate. I think people want to feel like they're part of something big and want to feel like the Americans are uh, are playing a role. I think the world feels more comfortable that way. Um, one of the... the signature changes i suppose in the in the relationship between the u.s and the region is is the iran deal do you think that 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 signals that the u.s and iran are are, are on a on a path towards some sort of i wouldn't say warmer but a better relationship well it's hard to imagine a worse relationship uh the u.s and iran had, had very tense relations and i think there remains a deep sense in iran that the united states is trying to undermine and, and potentially overthrow the government um I don't think that's accurate. There are people who say it should be accurate. I don't think it's accurate, uh, but I think it, it, it's widely held among many people in Iran. Um, we are going to have difficult relations with the Iranians for years and years to come. And anybody who thinks that this uh, that the deal really made a, a huge difference in that relationship, I think, is, is mistaken. But it certainly gives you an off ramp to the escalation intentions. Uh, it gives you a way to begin to manage some of the differences between the U.S. and Iran. And, uh, and I think that's, that's helpful. I think the way we've, we've followed up behind that um, has not been really reassuring to anybody. And 
there's going to be an extent to which our allies are not totally reassured. But I think the allies need to feel like somebody's listening, even if somebody's not meeting all the needs. And I think a lot of our allies have felt that that uh, nobody's listening. And, and a president who reassures countries that their needs are being heard is, is going to uh, is going to reap benefits from that. When when it comes to allies, if we turn to this um, election season, you know you travel in the region and you go to a lot of these countries. What what is your what is been the feeling that you've gotten and the the sentiment that you've received from people as to how they've seen this election? Look, on the one hand, there are a lot of countries, a lot of governments, a lot of leaders who feel that there's a particular problem, not with the United States, but with this particular president, this particular national security advisor, once they leave the White House, uh, whatever happens, it's going to be a better relationship. And, And I think that's actually a mistaken belief. I think there are a lot of countries that have issues uh, which are not about the personality of the president, national security advisor. It's about where the country is and the relationship with the United States and what it contributes uh, to American national security and what and the kinds of commitments the the country meets. And I think that that many of these countries are going to feel a bit of a a rude awakening when they find that it wasn't just the president. That being said, there's a sense uh, by which people are alarmed in the Middle East about the the Muslim ban that Donald Trump has talked about. There's a sense that Hillary Clinton is a known quantity. Um, But what they really worry about is, is the United States as a country, the country that they have built their security strategy around for more than a half century. And it's partly a, a sense that the United States is trying to curry favor with the Iranians. It's partly a sense that the United States doesn't care about the Middle East uh, because uh, unconventional oil and gas makes the U.S. energy independent in their view, even though it's not true. Uh, and it's partly a sense that the United States uh, said it was going to do something in Iraq and, and turned into chaos. And so the U.S. doesn't have the capacity that people thought the United States had. And it's sort of all these different things that make countries, on the one hand, wonder about whether they really can rely on the United States going forward, but also remember that they don't really have alternatives to relationship with the United States. They're hoping that a new president will make that better. But the reality is uh, these countries are going to go through a, a continued transition in their relationship with the United States, which they're going to have to navigate, which is going to cause some, some discomfort along the way. Um, I want to bring it back to policy as we kind of wrap it up. Um, I've asked this of, of other experts in this series and it, you know, is our moment to kind of depart from reality for one second. But um, do you have anything you'd like to see in the region on a specific level um, that you think that if you if you had your your way that you'd like them to be focusing on in a more uh, in a more targeted way? Look, I think that the most important thing is we have to think about engagement more broadly than military action. We have to think about ways to enhance our leverage. And again, military action is a part of that, but it can't be all of it. We have. I think, backed ourselves into a corner in the Middle East. We've limited the tools we have. We have uh, gotten way in front of, I think, where the American public is in terms of commitment to the region. We have to to bring that back to a place where people are comfortable. But I think American national security is going to continue uh, to rely on us having an important set of relationships that work in the region. I think we are, our national security is greatly enhanced by uh, our having influence in the region. We have to use that influence to steer the region in a much more positive direction than it's in now. 
there's a lot of a lot of ways the region can change that'll be better. And I think we have a responsibility and necessity to do what we can with a range of instruments of national power to try to make that true. It's going to be uncertain. It's not going to be fast. But I think we have to make the commitments, and, uh, and it's going to take a, a lot of leadership domestically and internationally by the next president to make that so. And that was John Alterman. Next up is Asia, so do please join me then. I'm Colin Quinn. Thanks for listening.